Amen. Thank you, Jennifer. What a wonderful meditation on the boundless, infinite love of our God. And take your Bibles, join me by turning to Matthew chapter 25 as we look at stewardship and the New Testament believer. We'll be looking again at a parable of stewardship, and I want you to see three main, four main, three main principles tonight. And actually, these are things that stewardship does, the way I stated these tonight. So we're going to be looking in Matthew chapter 25. We'll begin in verse 14. We're actually going to read the entire thing together at the beginning from verse 14 all the way down to verse 30. So I'm going to read rather quickly, and you read quickly, and listen quickly, and and hopefully we're still all together by the end. Matthew chapter 25, beginning in verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made them other five talents. Likewise, he that had received the two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou didst deliver unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering while thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid and and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, here thou hast that as thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall we be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The first thing that I want you to see that stewardship does is that stewardship acknowledges the ownership of the master. When I say the master, that's with a capital M. I'm talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our Lord and our master. A talent here, that the word for talent um, was equal to 6,000 denarii. One denarius was a day's wage for a common laborer. This is approximately 20 year's wages for a common laborer. That's a lot of money. Well, the master entrusts, and some things that I want you to see, as the stewardship acknowledges the ownership of the master, what does the master do? Well, the master entrusts according to his knowledge of ability. Look back at verse 15. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, every man according to his several ability. That word ability means dunamis. It's a Greek word. You probably heard it 
before, right? In the illustration that dunamis is where we get the English word dynamite, and it means power or ability, strength. And that's the idea. See, folks, God requires from each of us how he has gifted us. God has placed us in different positions in life with different abilities, different uh, skills, different resources, different relationships, different interests, different opportunities. So when you stand before God and give account, God is not comparing you with another believer. God is comparing you compared to what he knows he equipped you to do the opportunities he gave you, and even the money that he entrusted to you. And stewardship acknowledges the ownership of the master, and the master then gives according to, or entrusts according to his knowledge of ability. You know, some of us say, Lord, if I were a multimillionaire, Lord, if you just entrust me with that kind of money, man, what I could do for your kingdom. But the Lord knows maybe that we have certain limitations. And I'm not saying that we become selfish all of a sudden, although money and, and power have ruined many people. But I am saying that sometimes we overestimate our ability and maybe even our motives. And so the Lord gives us according to our ability, not beyond it. But neither does God give us limited underneath what our ability is. You see, just like in life, God has given us certain abilities, but he's also given us certain limitations. So also that is true in stewardship, what the resources that we have. I'm talking about material resources, financial resources, uh, an ability, an ability um, to produce or to receive income and that sort of a thing. We need to realize that what God has given us uh, is from his hand and he gives to us according to our ability, to our strength, to our power, what he knows he can entrust us to do. The master allows them freedom to use experience, expertise, and ingenuity to steward his money. Look back in verse 15. Something I want you to see, and I know an argument from silence is often not a strong argument, okay? But I think you'll see the point. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to every man according to his several ability. And what's the next word? Straightway, he took his journey. So he says, all right, come here, Stuart. Here is five talents. That's how many years wages for a common laborer? That's 100. Okay, one talent is worth 20 years wages. He gave him five talents. That's 100 years, right? Unless I'm miscalculating something. And to another, he gave two. That's 40 years. All right, and to another, one. And then he doesn't say, now, fellas, here's what I want you to do with my money. And he doesn't tell them what to do, does he? He gave to them according to his understanding of their ability. And remember, this is a parable. And our Heavenly Father, our Master, knows us, right? Matter of fact, the Bible says in Jeremiah 17:9, the heart's deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah 17, 10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins. Can our hearts deceive us? Yeah. But they can't deceive God. God knows exactly everything about us. And so God entrusts to us exactly what he wants us to have through life as resources. Now, when you stop and compare what we have in the United States of America compared to what the rest of the world has, every one of us have been entrusted with a lot. 
have we not? <clears throat> the opportunities that we have, the resources that we have, things that are available to us, even just the amount of money or, or other valuable resources that, that God has entrusted to us. And yet God gives us freedom. Always we know the confines are within the limits of the scripture. For instance, I don't want any of you saying, hey, you know, we got this auditorium renovation project. I'm gonna go out to Las Vegas and win us a bunch of money and bring it back. Yeah, no, because gambling, I believe, violates principles of biblical principles in the scriptures, all right? So we don't want to do that, okay? Uh, we, don't, we don't want to violate a biblical principle uh, in order to try to do something. So I'm saying it's within the confines of the limits, the scope of scripture, right? And that we want to serve the Lord and be faithful stewards of what he has given to us. But within those limitations, God has given us imagination. He's given us certain passions and interests, abilities, um, resources, relationships, and he expects us then, because did God not also give us brains to use? Dr. Bill Rice III said, God gave you a brain and he expects you to use it. God's given you an imagination. That is one way in which we are made in the likeness of God. He gave us an imagination. Use that imagination. Use your brain and, and, and think towards how can I invest these things in God's kingdom because I'm his steward. The master also expects stewards to work hard to be profitable stewards. Look at verse 16. The Bible says, Then he that had received one went and traded with the same and made other five talents. Now, who's telling this parable? Jesus, Jesus is. So who's Jesus? He's the master, right? And the word traded is the Greek word ergazomai, which means to toil, to work, to be engaged in labor. Okay? So he is saying he expects us, God expects us within the confines of the liberty that he gives us according to the word of God to use those resources to invest in his kingdom. But he expects us to work in investing in his kingdom. Nehemiah 4, 6, for the people had mind to work. It is a purposeful effort to invest what resources, material, temporal resources God has given me for his glory and for his kingdom, knowing someday I shall stand and give account. And that's the next point underneath stewardship's acknowledging the ownership of the master. And that is that the master will have a day of reckoning where stewards give account. Look at verse 19. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That, we, that every one of us uh, receive, may receive the things done in his body according that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Now you say, Pastor Todd, I thought all our sins were forgiven when we trusted Christ. Absolutely. So what is this about according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad? What's that bad? Well, that word bad, the primary definition of that Greek word, kakos, is not evil or sin. It is worthless. And we're going to stand before God someday and we are going to give an account for things that we spent money on that was absolutely worthless when it comes to the kingdom of God. It ought to really sober us as we think, how am I spending God's money and how am I stewarding that? Does that mean you never go on a vacation? No, because even Jesus said to his disciples, come ye apart into a desert place and rest a while for there were many coming and going and they had no leisure so much as to eat. 
Does that mean you can't buy a bass boat and enjoy it? No. I mean, look at how many times Pastor Sweat took people out on his boat and had a wonderful time of fellowship and ministry, discipleship, mentoring, sometimes even gospel opportunities with that. But see, that's an investment. That's purpose. Did he have fun doing it? Yeah. And you know what? Here's the awesome thing about this. As you're a steward of the life that God has entrusted to you and of the financial resources and material resources God has given to you and you use those for his glory, and we're going to see this passage here in a little bit. God has given us richly all things to enjoy, and it is a blast to serve God with the things that he entrusts to you and get to use it for his kingdom. We're going to talk next week about the joy of giving. Romans 14, 12 says this, So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Do you remember those chick tracks? Have you ever seen a chick track? It's like a little booklet and it's cartoon, right? And it shows people standing before God and it shows your life. And what do you see? There's a whole crowd and there's this, there's this glory of God off in the corner and then there's this giant movie screen, right? And your life is played back on that movie screen, right? Do you know for the Christian that's not how it's going to be? There's no being embarrassed in front of a crowd, but there's no hiding in the crowd either. The Bible says, so then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Christian, you are going to, in Christ's presence, give an account of how you stewarded your life and everything that came with that to Jesus Christ. Stewardship, acknowledging, and stewardship acknowledges the ownership of the master and recognizes there's going to be a day of reckoning but I also want you to see that the master generously rewards faithful stewardship. Look at verses 20 through 23. And see, he that received the five talents came, brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained besides them five talents more. His Lord said to him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Next verse, he also received the two talents, came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents besides them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. And here's the cool thing. Both those guys were completely faithful within the capacities God gave them. And God says the exact same. The master says the same thing in his commendation to both. God's not more impressed with the guy who he gave five talents who gained another five than he is the guy who had the two talents and gained another two. He says the same to both. Well done. I'm going to make you ruler over many things. And you know, folks, when God blesses us, the thing that ought to excite us is not that now we get some more, but now we've been entrusted with more to be able to continue to invest in his kingdom. And then number two, well, I want to stop before I go to our second point. Look with me in, in the last couple of verses that we read. Look at verses 29 and 30. For unto everyone that hath been given, unto everyone that hath shall be given, and him that hath shall have abundance. Uh, but from him that have not, but, excuse me, but from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you ever read this passage and said, where did that come from? I mean, I know that the steward was kind of lazy, but isn't that kind of harsh judgment? Here's the meditation that I wrote down on this as I was thinking about that. So here's a note about this third steward, and I put that in quotations. His lack of interest in pleasing the master, 
his selfish laziness that wouldn't even walk down the street to the exchangers for a minimal interest on the talent. His mischaracterization of the master shows that he was not truly a steward of the master. I believe every born-again child of God has within them that desire to want to invest their life for his kingdom. Like many other things, sometimes we get distracted, we get discouraged, sometimes we begin to yield to our flesh, and we be, that, that passion begins to wane. But I believe that within the heart of every born-again believer, we who have experienced the love of Christ and we who love him because he first loved us, that there is a desire for us to take this temporal life and bring God glory and make this life count for his glory in eternity. This steward had absolutely no interest in the, in the blessing or, or the profit of his master, of, of doing that which was in his master's best interest. He was selfish, he was lazy, he was afraid, and he totally mischaracterized his master. Have you ever heard somebody who's an unbeliever totally mischaracterize God? And that's what this steward did. So that's why that verse is there, and it's a stern warning. Because remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Many shall say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name cast out demons, in thy name done many wonderful works. Then will I profess unto them what? I never knew you. Because it's not about works. It's about a personal faith relationship in Jesus, with Jesus Christ. And there are people who look like and talk like stewards, but they're not the master's steward. Second of all, stewardship recognizes the responsibility to take care of the present. Turn over with me, or I think it'll probably be on the screen. First Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8. Stewardship recognizes the responsibility to take care of the present. The Bible says, but if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, that is his family, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Stewards provide for the needs of their family. Food, clothing, medical care. Stewards do not jeopardize their ability to provide for needs by doing things such as getting into debt for depreciating items. Stewards do not enslave themselves to overcommitments. One of the things I think that is killing a lot of people in our country financially today are subscriptions. There's all kinds of subscriptions for streaming channels and music channels and all this stuff. And if you get premium, then you get to skip the ads. And so I'll pay the extra whatever it is a month so that I can have this premium service. And there are all kinds of these little things that make us feel a little bit more important and in the in club or whatever that is, you know, matters of convenience. And, uh, and, and sometimes that really enslaves us. We buy things that we don't absolutely need and we purchase them on installment plans. And then when an opportunity comes up, we say, I can't go on that mission trip because I have to pay for whatever it is. We need to be careful not to limit our opportunities for ministry and service because we have overcommitted in other financial areas. So a steward provides for the needs of their families and do not jeopardize their ability to meet those needs. 
and did not enslave themselves to overcommitments. And then stewards practice commitment. Philippians 4.11, For I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. Randy Alcorn said, and I like this, giving is the only antidote to materialism. What is materialism? It is the lust for more, to have, to own. Giving is the only antidote to materialism. 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 to 8. But godliness with contentment is what? Great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. I think I've given the illustration here before. It bears repeating. I'll just go through it quickly. You could have two two-year-old boys in the nursery, right? There's two identical fire trucks that make the same sounds. The lights flash. Everything works on them. And this one little kid is over here, and he becomes discontent with it. He gets bored. He looks around. He sees the other little boy playing with the same exact fire truck, having the time of his life. In his little mind, he thinks, there's got to be something wrong with this fire truck. He puts it down. He walks over. He pushes the other kid. He grabs the fire truck, and he walks off, and he plays with it. So what does this kid do over here? The content kid that was just having fun with the fire truck. Ah, he shrugs his shoulders, gets up, walks over, picks up the kid's fire truck over here that he was playing with, that he left because he was bored with it, starts playing with it. He's having the time of his life. What happens to this kid over here that stole the fire truck because he was discontent? He says, hey, he's having fun with my fire truck. And now there's something wrong with this one. And so what does he do? He goes over, and he'll shove him, pick up that fire truck, because he's never learned contentment. See, and that's kind of a silly illustration, but you know there's a lot of adults Christian adults that have not learned contentment. The Bible says that godliness with contentment is great gain. Can you be content and thoroughly enjoy that which God has provided for you? Or do you get dissatisfied and have to have the latest, the newest, the best, something different? You get bored with something. You know, let's not forget that covetousness is a sin. But I also want to go to this because I'm going, to, I'm going to work into my last point. How many of you have ever been, raise your hand if you've ever been on a mission trip. Okay. Anybody here ever been on a mission trip two weeks or longer? Okay. How many of you that have gone on a mission trip two weeks or longer exchanged currency? Okay. I have two. I was in Moldova uh, in 2004 for a month. And so in Moldova, especially at the time, not every place took you know, American Express or Visa or MasterCard, right? And so I knew there'd be some times when I would probably need some disposable cash. And so what did I do? I exchanged the money. But you know what I did not do? And I, I would venture to guess that none of you guys have done this either. You probably didn't cash in your retirement account and your life savings to exchange it for that currency. Why not? Because that's not your home. Now, John Kukenzie and his family in Brazil, that's where their ministry is and that's where they serve. And so, you know, it would make sense if they did that because that's their home. But that wouldn't make sense for me if I go down to visit with Brother John and minister with him in Brazil to take my life savings and everything else and just invest everything down. Unless I'm going to give it all to Brother John for the ministry. That'd be all right with you, right? And then come back and start over. That'd be okay, right? Because I'm investing in, in God's kingdom. But it, it, when we're talking, though, in the analogy here, I'm, I'm not going to exchange all my currency right? And then, and, and because I'm going back home, that's not the currency I'm going to use for the rest of my life. That wouldn't make sense. I'm, I always like to bring back some currency, you know, just little souvenirs, coins, little dollar bills, stuff like that. But I'm not going to take that which I am saving towards my future 
and exchange it for something that I'm probably not going to use. Something that's not going to have lasting value to me. And that brings me to my third point. Stewardship recognizes the importance of investing in the future. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21, Jesus says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You see, God has entrusted to me that a foreign currency, the U.S. dollar, because you know what? This world is not my home. And I am supposed to use it wisely, just like if I go to Kenya or I go to Moldova or I go to Brazil or wherever I would go and I exchange some of that money, I still need to be a wise steward of that money while I am there, right? But I am still being a steward of the other resources that I have back home. And I'm using what I, what I need there, but I'm not going to spend extravagantly because that's not where I'm really going to be investing my heart long term. And Jesus says, lay not up yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt with thieves, break through nor steal. Now the word, the word lay up, I heard a preacher at, um, at Bob Jones when I was in chapel and he said, this is what it means. It means get all you can, can all you get. You know what it means to can vegetables, right? You put it in a jar, you put it on the lid and all of that, at, right? After you have a pressure cooker and all that. So that's what he meant. So, get all you can, can all you get and sit on the lid. All right. That's what the idea of laying up treasure. The idea is to hoard to yourself. And he goes, and so here's what Jesus is saying. Don't hoard up for yourselves treasures on earth. But hoard up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And he's talking about currency of value. Jesus says that the deposits that we make into our heavenly treasure trove are real, of value, and are imperishable. When he says, lay not for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, even if you have a beautiful home and a nice property and you know that it's increasing in value, you know what Peter says is going to happen to that house one of these days, if it's still standing? All these things are going to be dissolved. 2 Peter 3, 9. Because there's going to be a great day wherein all the elements in the earth and in the atmosphere are going to burn with a fervent heat. This earth is going to melt. This atmosphere is going to catch on fire and be destroyed in the day of the Lord. That beautiful car that everybody, I mean, it's a head turner. Oh, that's a cool car. Wow, you know. Car of your dreams. You always wanted to have it. Then you buy it and you enjoy it. You know what? Someday it's going to end up in a parts yard where people are pirating parts off it to fix their car. It's going to become a pile of junk one day, isn't it? But you know what? That which we invest in heaven is a real treasure trove. It's imperishable. It will never lose its value. And it's real. Another thing Jesus says is that they are secure. Lay not for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. Have you heard this thing going around where these people are trying to um, illegally steal the titles out of people's homes and then resell the house? So there's this, this you know, homeowner's insurance it's called title insurance so that people don't somehow 
in a surreptitious way are able to come up with a fake title and a claim to your property that looks legit and then sell your property and get the value out of your property and all of a sudden you find out you're not the legal owner of your home anymore or so it would appear and boy talk about a headache how about people that steal your identity and spend thousands of dollars on a credit card when they stole your numbers or something off one of those in these gas stations and they have these readers, people put these little readers up and you swipe your card or whatever and it gets all that information off and then they begin to do. Matter of fact, I heard in the news this week of a man that was somewhere, I think, here in the Atlanta area who's been in several states, but he, he would dress up like a woman and he was in nursing uh, home facilities and then he was stealing credit cards and debit cards from the residents in these nursing homes and he was going to Walmart and he was buying gift cards with it right so this sort of thing happens but you know what your investments in heaven are totally secured because almighty God is the guarantor, and he is the protector they won't rust they won't fade they won't lose value they can't be stolen. And here's another thing. They will never lose their value due to inflation. Because in God's economy, what we lay up in heaven is building up an eternal interest. And it's a rate that you and I could never beat on this earth. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we're getting towards the end now. Just hang with me a couple more minutes. In 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19, as Paul is instructing Timothy, he says this, charge them that are rich in this world and to be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches but in the living god get this who giveth us richly all things to enjoy now i want to finish this passage but i want to stop right here he says, well god's given us richly all things to enjoy so i can spend my money on what makes me happy have you ever experienced consistently the joy of giving I'm going to look at that next week. I'm going to preach a message next week on the joy of giving. I believe many Christians miss out on, 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 on a wonderful resource of joy. And that is the joy of giving away material uh, wealth and, and resources for the sake of the gospel and the sake of the kingdom. For the sake of supporting and encouraging brothers and sisters in Christ in their ministries and when you get an understanding that these temporal things can be invested for an eternal value and the wonderful impact it has even now, and this is only seeing the tip of the iceberg compared to what we'll see in eternity, man, what a joy in giving. And I tell you what, some of the greatest enjoyment you can have is in giving things away. What did Jesus say as Paul quoted Jesus in Acts? It is more blessed. And what's the word blessed mean? doesn't just mean to be blessed it means to be happy to be joyful to be filled with a thrill and jesus said it's more blessed it's more joyful it's more happy it's more fun if you will and i know that's a loose translation to give than to receive man isn't the that the antithesis of our culture let's go on they that do good that they be rich in good works ready to distribute that's idea there is to give money to a specific cause. Willing to communicate, that's also to give. That word communicate is the idea of giving to financially support somebody in ministry. Then listen to this, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come. Jesus said you're investing and you're planning for eternity. eternity. 
that they may lay hold on eternal life. That word eternal life might be better translated the life which is life indeed or that which is truly life. C.S. Lewis said this, this is the shadow world, right? And all of its colors and hues are pale and shadowy compared to the reality of the beauty of eternity. So why would we cling so tightly to this world and the things of this world when we cannot take these things with us? I think it was Randy Alcorn who said, you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. And we are stewards of what God has entrusted to us. We need to recognize the importance of investing in, in eternity, in the future. C.S. Lewis said this, and I'm going to be done. I just want you to meditate on this for a while. Nothing that you have not given away will ever really be yours. We read that one more time. Nothing that you have not given away will ever really be yours. May God give us wisdom. Again, I hope you see the balance tonight in this, in this message. Stewardship acknowledges the ownership of the master. All we have and all we are is God's. Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He entrusts our life, our health, our mind, our opportunities, our talents, our abilities, our spiritual, our, everything is from God. He's the owner. We need to acknowledge that. But stewardship recognizes the responsibility to take care of the present. We need to take care of our families. Who does not take care of his own house has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. And so God is not saying give away all your money so you're, and if your children starve, tough. No, God is a God of balance. And he says, listen, I want you to give and be able to give and invest generously in my kingdom. But I understand that while you are an ambassador for me on this earth, you need to take care of the needs of your family. But maybe what we need to do is reevaluate what really is a need. And I'm not saying that there's never a place for us to have something that is not specifically a life or death need. But I'm saying that we need to be wise. And when we purchase something, that there should be some strategic thing involved in how we're going to use that for Christ's kingdom. And then recognize the importance of investing in eternity. You say, doesn't it sound a little bit selfish for me to lay up treasure in heaven Jesus told us to do that. Paul says when you do that, you're laying up, you're preparing for eternity and the life that you're going to be living in the millennium and then on through eternity. You say, how does that work? I don't know, but the Bible says it and I believe it. And so I want to have the joy of giving. You know, there have been times in the past when, and it's still this way sometimes, when Krista and I see a need that we're able to, to give towards and we're so excited and we say thank you God we're able to do this there was a time when we wanted to do something like this and we just could not we couldn't do it we cannot do that and meet the needs of our family at the time we can do that now and man we were looking forward thank you God you know Chris and I were just talking the other day about something like this not really even discussing this message it was just like wow what God now has allowed us to do and it's and and we just get such great joy out of it. I can't wait to preach next week's message. I'm ready to preach it right now, but I can't do that. But please understand, if you're a born again believer, that you are a steward of the master. 
Remember, you do have responsibilities for the present. God acknowledges that. But God also wants you to realize that you have a responsibility to invest in your own eternal future by laying up, storing up treasure in heaven, laying up a good foundation for that life, which is the real life. And we have not yet lived. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for what you have entrusted to us for how you have provided for our needs and that you provided abundantly above food and raiment. Lord, nowhere do I see that a car is a need, but we use our cars to drive to church and to bring folks to church and to take meals to the sick and they're a good tool for us to have and we can use it for your glory. But Lord, I think there's just so many things in which we allow ourselves to become financially committed to that hinder us from really laying up treasure in heaven like we should. And sometimes we can go get so wrapped up in temporal things and means and get worried about the economy and other things and, and become scared to continue to invest in your kingdom. But Lord, you are the master that's entrusted these things to us. Help us to toil, help us to labor, to take what you've entrusted to us and use it to the very best of our ability so that we, like the first two stewards, can hear you say, well done, thou good and faithful steward. And Lord, may it ring in our hearts the truth that C.S. Lewis mentioned, nothing that we do not give away will ever truly be ours. We acknowledge, Lord, that you are our master, we are your stewards. Help us then to be faithful stewards in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me as pastor comes and leads us in a dismissing chorus?